Hey everybody, it's Peter, and before you get into this week's episode, I just wanted to let you know this is a spoiler-free episode. So we are going over Unlock, which is an escape room game. There is a lot of story in there, but we have left that out intentionally in this episode. The other thing I wanted to apologize for is I did have some technical difficulties, especially during the discussion portion, so the discussion was cut off a little bit short. I think a couple of my sections might be missing from there, so it might be a little disjointed. So I do want to apologize for our technical difficulties. Hopefully this won't happen again in the future. Hello and welcome to Co-OpCast, a podcast about cooperative board games with your hosts, Peter Grusis and Michael Kelly. Hi, I'm Peter and I'm here with Mike. Hey, how's it going? And welcome to episode three of Co-OpCast. Episode three. Wow, it's getting deeper each time. I like it. Yeah, I feel maybe I have a cold coming on. (laughs) Well, hopefully it's not contagious through the microphone. The only thing that's contagious is puzzle gaming today with episode three focused on, what's that game called? Unlock Escape Adventures. Ooh, I like the subtitles. Yes. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing Unlock, the pros, the cons, our overall opinion, Then we're going to get into disposable games this week and talk about our opinions on those. And then something special this week, we're going to have an after show where we actually talk about the different escape room style games we've played and kind of comparing and contrasting them. It should be exciting. And hopefully you won't dispose of this podcast. (laughs) Yes, hopefully not. So Peter, why don't you give us the rundown on how uh, Unlock by Space Cowboys works? Okay, well, there's currently three unlock games available, and all the rules of them are basically the same. And it is a very small form factor box. It comes with a 10-card tutorial and a 60-card mission deck. And the only other thing you're going to need is an app that's freely available for download. So the way the game works is you're going to read a little bit of a story on a card, and then you're going to flip it over. And typically, you'll be in a room or somewhere else, some other environment, and it's going to tell you which other cards to flip over. So the nice part is you're actually looking at a picture of where you're at, and then geographically it'll show numbers around the room or around the environment that tell you which other cards to flip over, and those things will correspond to what's in those positions. And on those cards, there'll be three or four basic kind of cards. Number one is just a straight-up object with a red modifier on it. Another one would be an object with a blue modifier on it. Then there could be yellow codes that need to be entered in or gray cards that span the variety of different things that might need to be figured out to get a red or a blue modifier. Or they could be other rooms or something else that doesn't have a modifier associated with it. The way the puzzles work is a lot of times you're going to have to combine some red modifier with a blue modifier to get an end result. When you get that result, you're then going to look for that card in the stack of cards you have and you're going to flip over that card. And so that's the basics of the game. I think we can get into the pros and cons now. What do you think? Yeah, I just wanted to say to kind of give an example of how the puzzles work. So let's say there's like the simplest example possible. Let's say I have a blue, which is usually the items, a blue like silver key. And the value on that key card is 20. You have a 20 in the corner. And then I have a blue doorway with a keyhole. That would be a red card. And that has a 22 in its corner. You would add those two numbers, 20 and 22, giving you a total of 42, and that's the card you would look for on the backs of the cards in uh, the deck of cards. 
So most of the puzzles, you know, they get more complicated, but they come down to some sort of putting two things together to make an addition that you then search for in the deck. Yeah, you definitely need to be able to do math to find the cards you're looking for with this one. Very basic math. It doesn't go above 100, and you're never adding more than, like, just two-digit numbers, so nothing nothing too challenging. But yeah, uh, do, do you want to start off with your first pro, Peter? Sure. So my first one, and again, for people first joining us, we go in reverse order. So this is going to be my least pro, and we go to the uh, thing that I most love about this game. So my number three pro is the simplicity. I really do like how easy it is. Mike, you just explained it. You add two numbers together to get another number. The app that is associated with the game runs the timer for you. Also, if you get stuck, it can give you hints. The app also Whenever you encounter a code that you have to enter, the app handles that for you as well. So I like how simple it is, and I love the, how like graphic design points you thematically to what you're looking at. Yeah, and my, my first pro goes along with that. Um, it's not quite the same, but I really love the introductory scenario, the tutorial they include with the, uh, the game. It's only 10 cards, and it's a very basic little puzzle, but... It gets you really into, like, the mechanics immediately. It's kind of fun on its own. It's, like, an interesting puzzle by itself. Um, it's also very simple. I can see playing that with my son pretty easily. Even if we don't move on to the full game, I think that's a really nice, like, simple introduction that will make you feel successful at the puzzles right away, even if then you don't do so great with the uh, the full game afterwards. Yeah, so I actually did play this with Nicholas, my son, my nine-year-old, and he really enjoyed it. In fact, I think it might even be on his top co-op games for kids right now after just playing the intro scenario i think it might change if he played a full scenario because it does certainly get much harder but he felt super smart playing through that tutorial oh yeah and then it's just 10 cards i mean what a great little experience for only 10 cards it's fantastic and the tutorial says you have 10 minutes but it really doesn't take 10 minutes to go through the tutorial it's it should be much quicker sure all right uh peter you want to hit us with your second pro yeah so my second one is the puzzles I really think it's interesting because you're like, oh, you're just combining two numbers. How hard could that be? But I really think they do a good job of thematically integrating those puzzles and making them varied enough where it really is a challenge, first of all. And second of all, they've done a good job in the first three scenarios anyway of really diversifying them with the, the little bit of leeway they have of 60 cards and the app. Yeah, and uh, my second pro is related to the puzzles also, not quite the same thing. But I think the puzzles are just the right difficulty, at least in the two of the three unlocks that I've played. Um, what I mean by that, I, I play a lot of puzzles and, you know, escape rooms online, other other things like that. And what you often find is you, you either get two extremes. You get a game where, like, the puzzles are way too easy, so you just tear through them. It doesn't even feel like you're challenged. Or you get ones where you have to think just like the designer of the puzzle and you have to like make some really weird logical jumps that don't truly make sense, like combining a rubber ducky with like a bathroom plunger or something. I, I don't feel that for these puzzles. I, when, when it was hard for us to figure something out, it always seemed fair, but they were challenging, like we were pressed for time to beat the game in time in both cases. So I think they hit kind of a sweet spot for puzzles with this game. I really liked the, the challenge mixed with the, the logical understanding I could have with them. No, I totally agree. And it's funny, my number two went into your number two, and then your number two went right into my number one, which is theme. 
I think this game does a fantastic job of making you actually feel like you're in an escape room without actually being there. You're looking at the pictures. The art is amazing in the game. You're looking at the pictures. It's really, you see something in the corner, and you're going to find something that would be in a corner. So I really just think they do a really good job of making the theme come through and really make you feel like you're part of an escape room experience. Yeah, and that, that was kind of like my honorable mention. I love the the artwork. I, I love the immersion you get with the game. I do feel like it's it's a great escape room experience. Um, my number one kind of goes along with that also, but uh, it's, it's a bit more specific. I really felt like I was playing one of the old LucasArts adventure games. I don't know if you ever played those, Peter, but I was a big fan of, like, King's Quest and Space Quest and Leisure Suit Larry, you know, like Sierra, all those games. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Monkey Island and all those. And, and, you know, a big hallmark of those games is that you'd have this big inventory of, like, five or six or seven items, and you'd have to, like, dig around in the environment to find the things and sometimes, like, make some logical leaps to figure out which item in your inventory will do something special with an item in the environment. And uh, the little combo nature of this, where I have the blue cards that are like keys and magnifying glasses and those kind of things, and the red cards that represent things in the environment, gave me really that exact same feel. Like, I felt like I was in those games again. That was a really great kind of... I mean, it was a great immersion, but also it was kind of like a nice nostalgic feel. Like, I was uh, back to my roots of adventure gaming. And for anybody who's a fan of those kind of games, I think this Escape Room experience is going to capture that for you better than anything out there. Yeah, and the one nice thing they also do with it is they don't just give you five blue cards, five red cards, figure out which ones go together. You might get ten blue cards and one red card, and that red card may not even go with any of those blue cards. You may have to figure out a gray card first before you can unlock the real red thing that you need to combine with one of the five blue things that you have. So there really is... It's not just a two-step puzzle. I think we've almost made it sound too simple with the you need a red and a blue added together. I really do feel like they did a good job of making it solvable, but putting enough steps in there that it also made it challenging. Yeah, definitely. All right, um, cons. You want me to get into those? Yeah, why don't you start with your first con? Okay, so my first con is that I'm not sure the hint system is robust enough to help every uh, group of players get through the game. So to explain this a bit more, we didn't mention this before, but the app handles the hints. You click a little hint button, and uh, you put in the number of the card, or like machines will have a number on them, even though they don't have a number you add or subtract or whatever. And you put in the hint, and it'll give you like, you know, maybe one or two quick little sentences of some kind of hint. Uh, Some cards that we played said they had no hint, and each card only has one hint. You know, and I'm kind of used to, especially in, like, online guides or uh, other games like uh, The Room on the uh, iOS series, The Room 1, 2, and 3, which is a great little puzzle series. All of those uh, tend to have kind of progressive hints. So, like, the first time you get a hit, you get this really vague thing that doesn't tell you anything. The second time, you get, like, something a bit more specific. The third time, they're like, hey, idiot, here's where it is. And this game, it just has the one hint. Now, to be fair, we... We were able to get through all the puzzles eventually, but I also, you know, not to toot our own horns, but I think we're a pretty bright group used to a lot of puzzle games, and I can just imagine a group, especially a younger group, playing these games with the hints available and just getting stuck and having no idea what to do, and unless, I don't know, I don't know if these games are big enough for somebody to have made a, like, walkthrough guide online, but if not, then that's just it, you know, like, maybe you're 15 minutes into the game and you just cannot progress no matter what you do. So that's not ideal. I think it works fine, and for our group it wasn't a problem, but I could see it being a problem for other groups. 
So, Peter, how about you? What was your uh, first con with the game? My first con is the app. And there are a couple things that go along with the app. I, I, I think I mentioned everywhere along the line that the app was a pro in all three of mine for theme, puzzles, and simplicity. But there are some negatives to the app. First one is, if you look in the rule book and it tells you to go download the Unlock app, I know when I went to the Apple iTunes store under apps and looked for it under Unlock, Unlock exclamation port, it was just it wasn't even in the list of apps that were available. So I don't know if that's a Space Cowboys issue. I don't know if that's an iTunes issue. So literally I had to put in unlock space cowboys for it to find the app. Uh, and it took me, I don't know, two or three minutes, which was a little frustrating because I'm like, where is this app? And they don't even really show you a picture of what it's supposed to look like. So you're kind of hoping to f- that you're downloading the right thing. So that's the first part of it that was frustrating. And then the next thing is, I like the fact that you can pause the app. We didn't talk about that. The app does handle the timer and you can pause it. You can go away. You can do other things. And if you mess up, you actually lose time, which I think is a pretty cool feature. But sorry, keep going, Peter. No, absolutely. Yeah. So these adventures are 60 minutes, but every time you mess up, you're going to lose at least three minutes. So a lot of times you have to beat it in less than 60 minutes, which is really cool. So even though it says 60 minutes on the box, a lot of times you're playing it in less than even if you fail the mission because you're getting these penalties that are causing time to go away. So I I do think, again, it's, it's a pro. This is the lowest on my cons. But the other part about it is there's no save feature, right? If I go away... I either have to leave it running in the background, which I tried to do, and then, of course, it was five days later by the time I got back to it, and it was nowhere near saved. So thankfully, I had written down how much time we had gone through, but there's no real way to get back to where you were and try to figure out exactly, you know, unless you write down what time, and then really, you'd even have to write down what hints you use because it gives you a score, not that I much care about the score at the end. Yeah, me either. And I I will say, Peter already mentioned, there is a pause function. So when we were playing one of the games, uh, my baby woke up and we paused it, took care of the baby, came back and picked the game right up. So this is only a problem if you think you can't do about an hour of gaming in one shot in one night. Right. And my wife loved this feature and she was so happy that it was there. And then again, we went away for five days. And by the time we came back, it was no longer saved at where we were anymore. Now, I did write down the time we had left. And so we were able to pick up right back where we finished, although we had to do some finagling to get there. And I had no idea which hints we had used already. And so, you know, all that information was lost for what that's worth. All right. So my second con... And it's not a big one, um, but just because of the other, like, escape room games I've been playing. As much as I love the, like, card-based system, it is slightly limited compared to some other escape rooms. Um, and we'll get into this in the in the post-show. But basically, a lot of the other ones have, like, some tactile things going on, some, like, shape-based things, some kind of more interesting, intriguing puzzles. And this game has some really cool puzzles, especially in... Uh, in the the hardest one, the three-star one that we played. Yeah, the Island of Dr. Gores. That's right. Yeah, that that scenario has some really cool puzzles. Like, they really push the envelope of what you can achieve with this, like, addition kind of system. But still, I have seen more interesting, more varied puzzles in other games. So, not a big deal. I still really enjoyed the puzzles in the game. But I thought just the the simplicity of the system kind of limits the the craziness of the puzzles to an extent. Yeah, no, I agree with that. My number two was actually mistakes. What I mean by that is it's easy to miss something or make a mistake. 
for example, there are hidden objects on the cards sometimes where the, the number, there's a number or a letter and it's really small or hidden. Or at one point we thought something was an E, so we took out the E card and it clearly had nothing to do with the puzzle that we were working on. So it was easy enough for us to just flip it back over and put it back. But if you make a mistake, there's not really a scorekeeping mechanism to tell you that you're doing something wrong. So you could go down a completely wrong path and it's really hard to undo what, well, it could be really hard to undo what you've done. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it didn't come up too much in our games, but I, I agree that could be a possibility. So it's just something to think about. So mine, um, and this is going to go into our, our discussion coming up next, I'm just not sure that the amount of money you're spending is worth the gameplay time you're getting. And the, these discussions come up with all these kind of games on BGG, so I'll save some of this discussion later. But, you know, I think, uh, how much did you pay for these, Peter? Do you remember how much each one was? It was 15 apiece. So for all three of them, I got them for $45, and I did pay retail for them. So you probably get them cheaper, but let's say $15. For $15, you're getting, we played with three people. Three people playing, you know, around an hour, maybe slightly less than an hour. Um, which isn't, you know, terrible as far as a lot of entertainment venues go. But compared to other board games, you can play a whole lot, including, like, little card games that will run you 10 or $15. Not fantastic in terms of value, if if you care about that kind of thing. If you've got money to spend, I think it's a cool experience. But yeah, it's just uh, once you've played it, there's really nothing else to do. There is no more replay. You can pass it along to somebody else, but you are not going to be able to play that again, really. Yeah, and I want to get into this a little bit, because I agree and I don't agree, and we will talk about this more in the disposable game section, but because the point I'm about to bring up pertains particularly to this game, Unlock, I'm going to bring it up here. I actually think I wouldn't mind running somebody through this. In fact, I already talked to my wife about inviting our neighbors over and having them run through it, and I work almost as a GM. So the point you were making earlier about the hints maybe not being leveled enough, maybe I could almost GM it for them and give them a little bit of a hint if they feel like they're getting stuck or they're starting to get frustrated. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a cool idea. Because I've done that for another game I'll discuss later, uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I've run my wife through like scenarios and given her hints when she was a little bit lost. So yeah, I actually, that's a good point. Maybe that reduces my con a little bit. Yeah. So my number one though, I think goes along with it and it's going to go along with all these and that's replay value. I I think that's going to be anybody's number one con for this. It goes along with your value statement, which is these are games you are only going to be able to play once. Maybe as I get older and my Alzheimer's really kicks in, I will be able to go back to it. But you know, unless you forget the puzzles. And and that's almost a con of the story being so good and immersive. I almost don't forget the puzzles because it's really neat what happens when you solve them. So when you solve a puzzle, it's not just, okay, you opened a door, go to the next step. There are these memorable things you're doing with the puzzles that really make them stick in your mind. And so I think it would be really hard to replay it yourself, even given a year off or whatever. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, the, the thematic immersion almost makes the puzzles harder to replay, whereas if it was, like, super abstract, maybe a year later you could, like, jump back into it. And we'll get back into that when we do our comparison in the after show. But I do feel like some of the other ones are going to have more replayability there because there's no possible way I'm going to remember how I arrange certain things in this one puzzle. Yes, I might understand what the goal of the puzzle is, but actually solving the puzzle is going to take a work in some of these other games whereas this one once you figured out what needs to go together it's just a matter of combining them sure sure 
All right, so I think that concludes it. What are your final thoughts on Unlock? I really enjoyed it. Um, I've been playing a lot of puzzle games on the computer, um, other other like Escape the Room games and that kind of stuff. And I don't know, the something about it just stuck in my mind more and really uh, stuck with me. And as much as I'm not sure it's worth the money, I, I am dying to play all the rest of the games in that series and any more they come out with. So... So yeah, I mean, my final thought is, uh, if you like puzzles like this, go get it. See if you can find it cheap or find a group you can share it with, because it is a cool experience. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. By that, I mean, I agree with everything you've said. So let's go on to the design discussion. Now we're going to talk about disposable games in general. So not just these escape room games, but games like Time Stories, games like Pandemic Legacy, and these escape room games. Uh, You mentioned another one, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Let's talk about some of those and some of the cool things we think you can do with that as a designer. Let's do it. All right, so my first one is theme. I really think these games, the big benefit they have over any other type of game that you can play and then reset and play again is the story that comes out of them. The benefit of playing these games is they are somewhat of a linear story, But you get that story experience and you're going to be able to talk about it with your friends. You're going to have water cooler moments the next day. Oh, wasn't it so cool when this and this and this happened? I think you can get those with other board games, but I think it's really hard to be as immersed unless the story is progressing. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said. These games are similar in a way to novels or movies, except that basically like progressing in the story is unlocked pun intended, um, (laughs) is unlocked by solving these puzzles to see the next step in kind of what's going on. So yeah, I think they give one of the best immersive experiences you can get in games for anything where like it's a one-off experience because, you know, that's it. So you're really experiencing some exciting things for the first time and the only time, unfortunately. But yeah, I agree that they have awesome stuff with theme, at least possibilities. Not all of them really take full advantage of that especially when the writing is mediocre or they don't really have much of a story going in. But the possibilities are really strong there for telling some of the best stories in gaming. But yeah, I think some games are more disposable than others, and I think that's an interesting thing to look at. Yeah. So, you know, you you mentioned Pandemic Legacy. Clearly, you pretty much cannot play that after you've gone through the entire thing. You know, like you've destroyed components, added things to the board, put stickers on the board. Uh, same thing with uh, one of the three escape room games we played recently. You're like ripping cards, tearing cards, putting them in combinations and stuff. So some games are more disposable than others, which I think, I, I don't know. So far, I've not seen any of the ones that have that aspect that really made me feel like the game experience was improved, just personally. So I, although I do think there's stuff to explore with the kind of legacy com- concept of disposable gaming where you're actually, like, adding stickers and ripping things up. It's not something that appeals to me much as a designer or as a player. And and you know, Peter, like in Gloomhaven and some other games that have things that are theoretically supposed to be ripped up, I don't think we've ever ripped up a single one. It just kind of goes against our natural instinct as gamers. Which does bring up, like, how disposable are these games, really? Like, you know, Unlock, I could see myself borrowing either of the two scenarios we already played, and even tomorrow playing them and not really remembering a lot of the stuff that happened and still having a fun, you know, a lesser experience, but a fun experience with them. I know with uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, the original base set which I have, I've gone through the first, uh, like, four or five cases, some two times, I think one of them three times, 
And there's enough like details, there's enough reading, there's enough intricacy there that I have basically forgotten and without any need for senility or like years and years to have passed. So I think uh, in a lot of cases, some of these games aren't so like, you know, one and done kind of disposable in their nature. Um, Whereas again, you know, if you rip up the game, even Pandemic Legacy, you just literally cannot play it again. So yeah, it, it just somewhat rubs me the wrong way. Although I think, you know, designers should explore that space. Maybe there'll be something amazing that will grab me, but so far I haven't seen it. I, I do kind of question, are disposable games fully necessary? And, you know, the, the game that kind of makes me say this, that we've been playing the most lately, is Arkham Horror LCG. And I feel like I got a similar level of immersion, a similar level of, like, cool experiences from that. But I can, like, play through a scenario again, like, a day later. And because of, like, the card play aspect, still have a lot of fun with it. Now, of course, you know, the puzzles aren't as intricate and that kind of stuff. No, I do think there is something to that. And I think that game design is evolving, as it always does. And you can put good theme into a non-disposable game. Although, I would argue to some degree that even though Arkham Heart isn't disposable... I don't necessarily want to go back, and we even talked about this in our Mansions of Madness episode, that game's not disposable, but I don't necessarily want to go back and play those scenarios two, three, four times. It's just not as interesting to me. Well, you know, I actually would, it's interesting you bring it up, I would count Mansions of Madness as pretty much a disposable game. I guess I guess each scenario kind of has like two plays of it, sort of, because the ones that we've like investigated and tried to figure out, I think we've seen two configurations of the house with basically the same item placement and two endings possible, and sometimes only one ending possible. So yeah, like I, I would compare that similarly to Unlock, for example, in that while I could play it again and I might get like some fun from it, I'm missing out on that big like surprise and like really cool aha uh, moments, you know, where like I solve a puzzle. So actually, I think Mansions of Madness fits right into this dis- discussion and is another successful game in this kind of disposable, like, not-really-going-to-play-it-again genre. I can't argue with that at all. My next point, it, I mean, it goes along with theme, but I do feel like it's separate, and that's surprises. I don't know that a game that is not something that is either disposable or something with a very narrative arc the way these games have can surprise you the way that these games do. They can throw something, a curveball at you, something you weren't expecting, And the reason that they stick more is because you've invested yourself in this game, especially in games like Pandemic Legacy, especially in a game like Arkham Horror. If you're two hours into the game and something just randomly shifts your perception, I really do think that that is something that's very cool and something you're not really going to get in other games. Yeah, I hear you. And I think my final point kind of goes along with that. Um, Not just the surprises these games give you, but... And this is, I guess, more specific to the puzzle ones we're talking about. So, like, Mansions of Madness, uh, Sherlock Holmes, and these escape games. Just how cool you feel and how great you feel, like, when you and your group solve a puzzle, use your wits, make a really clever, you know, intuitive deduction. I love that, and, and it's it's a really great experience to have. And you're not going to get that with any other kind of game. You know, like, yeah, you might figure out a cool card combo in, like, a deck builder or something... But once you play that game a few times, that's going to be the exact same card combo you see a whole bunch of times. But you know, when you solve that puzzle that was really challenging, or you suddenly realize, oh my gosh, that goes there. Um, yeah, it's it's a really kind of like adrenaline fueling thing based totally on your mental faculties, and I, I just love it. It's a great feeling. Absolutely. And just to wrap it up with a little design note, if you're going to design one of these games, make sure you're putting those elements in there. 
right? Don't waste an opportunity by designing something that doesn't have to be disposable. If you're making a disposable game, put surprises in there. Make the story something that jumps out. Because otherwise, you may as well just make it a campaign game. Yeah, and I would say uh, for most of these, if you can't write and you can't find somebody who can write, don't make this kind of game. Because they offer such great opportunities for immersion, if you aren't doing stuff to give that immersion, like writing some great copy and some great storyline in there, you know, just go design a Euro or something because you're missing a huge opportunity of what makes these games special, I think. So that's going to wrap up our design discussion. If you want to hear more on our thoughts on Unlock, Escape the Room, and Exit, stay tuned after the end credits for our after show. And thanks for listening to Co-OpCast. Thanks for joining us on Co-OpCast. We'll be back in two weeks to discuss another great cooperative board game. Until then, please review us on iTunes. And feel free to follow us on Twitter at MVP Board Games or email us at MVPBoardGames at gmail.com. All right, so Mike, let's talk about the after discussion. I kind of want to start this by talking about real escape rooms. Have you ever done a real escape room? I have not, but man, I am dying to try it. I want to be locked by a psychopath in a closet with like a pair of pliers and three pictures and tic-tac-toe boards. And I just want to puzzle out of that and save my life. You know, I think that'd be awesome. No, I haven't done an escape room either, but I totally agree. This is something I'd love to do. I've talked to other people about it, both gamers and non-gamers. And I think that's one of the benefits of escape rooms is it is a game, right? But... I think non-gamers would be into it as well. So just getting into the value, though, and we're talking about the value of these escape room games, and we've said, you know, there's questions on whether they're worth the value because they are one-time, they are disposable, and you're, it's not like a Pandemic Legacy where you're getting, you know, hours and hours out of it. This is literally an hour to an hour and a half, and then you're done with it. But when you look at a real escape room, they have about the same time. They're about an hour as well. And that's 20 to $30 per person for a one-time experience. I saw a Groupon out there for $16. But, I mean, that's for each person to get this escape room experience where these boxes, you can get it, do it in your house without leaving for, you know, the price of one person. Yeah, and two of the three, as we'll discuss when we get into the specifics of each one, two of the three you can pass along to another group or another friend or, like, split the cost and trade it among you. The third one does not have that, but yeah, so I guess... No, the, the price is definitely not bad. I'm just comparing to other board games. But yeah, compared to actual escape room experiences or going to see a movie or any of those kind of things, it's it's definitely a great value. That said, man, I'm, I'm ready to put down my $20. You, you find an escape room, let's go do that thing. Well, I was just about to say, with that being said, I'd still like to do it. Because there is something neat about the physical component and the physicalness of it, right? You're in a room, you're actually running around and and finding things in the room and solving puzzles not just number puzzles, but maybe you find a key and you got to figure out which drawer it fits in. And there's a, I feel like there would be an adrenaline rush to it. I feel like there would be a a total physical response to being in that escape room. All right. So all that being said, we're going to compare the three escape rooms we've played. Um, So just to go through the series, uh, the first one is Escape the Room, Mystery at the Stargazer's Manor. That's from Think Fun. 
Then there's uh, the Unlock series, which uh, I've played two of the three. Peter's played all three. Uh, Peter, did you play Mystery at the Stargazer's Manor? I haven't. And to be honest, I haven't really looked through it, so I'm going to take your lead on that one. Yeah, so, uh, so I'll, I'll talk about that one. Uh, we both played Unlock, but again, Peter played all three. And then uh, what's the last one? Exit? Exit. Um, yeah, and we played uh, just just one of those, right? Our friend had a second one, but we didn't play through it yet. Yeah, our friend Jerry has all three of them. We played through one of the three. Which which one was that? It was the Escape the Cabin. You love the theme on that, remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. I mean, that's yeah. It was it was a like horror trope. You're stuck in a uh, abandoned cabin, so that was fun. Well, it was fun, but uh, let's get into that. I think Escape or Exit does a horrible job of putting you in the theme. I mean, you know, there's a story leading up to it where I'm not going to get too much into it, but basically your car breaks down. You go into a cabin, like. Why, who does that, first of all? Like, if your car breaks down, you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, look, there's a cabin over there. I'm going to go in. Of course, the next morning, you're locked in there. So I think the themes in the exit game are not as strong as Unlock. At least that one scenario. You know, I can't say for sure that the other ones aren't amazing in their theme. But, yeah, I, I agree. They, they, they didn't have, you know, speaking of, like, the good writing, Escape the Room Mystery of the Stargazer's Manor has, like, a nice multi-paragraph, like, introduction. It has, like, little journal entries you find. And I really liked that. Exit had the exact same things, but I didn't think the writing was as good. It didn't kind of grab me as much. And interestingly, Unlock kind of had the least writing, but something about like having the individual cards with these really detailed illustrations really put me in it. Do, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, that is, as we've discussed, that is the number one thing I think about the Unlock games is you see the room. In, when we were playing Exit, I never really had a sense of where I was finding these puzzles or, or what yeah. they had to do with where I was supposed to be finding them. Like, why do I care that this is here? It didn't make any sense. And having having the cards in Unlock, especially, like, the items, like, I have a magnifying glass, and I have a card that is a magnifying glass, and I, like, move it around and adjust it through the space, and it makes me feel like I actually have that thing. So I do think Unlock probably wins on theme. Escape the Room is probably a second for me because it was still pretty good and had some nice writing. And definitely the one exit we played was the weakest on that. And also, just to jump into the value discussion, exit is also the one that requires you to tear things up and, and break them. So no even possibility of replay there. You can't, like, put things... I mean, it's, it's really, like, torn up, so you can't really put things back together. You need to tear things up to solve puzzles. I was going to say, and this is something I didn't discuss before, but just thinking about that, we were writing in the book for Exit. We were doing a lot of things associated with that. But one thing we did with Unlock was pulled out a piece of paper, and we're writing on that. So I do think for any of these games, really, if you have a paper and pen handy, you want to have those when you play them. And and we didn't bring that up before. Yeah, you're right. I do think that's important for all of these games. I haven't played Escape the Room, uh, Stargazer's Manor yet. But I would assume that I would just pull out a pen and paper to begin with because you don't want to break your immersion by having to go pick that stuff up later if you do yep. if you do need it. No, no, we definitely use one for that one. Yes, I was going to say, Mystery at the Stargazer's Manor, um, you can put it back together and like replay it yourself or pass it along to another group. Uh, there's sort of complex instructions, but they're all on the ThinkFun website, so they, they had the foresight to kind of consider that. So it takes a bit to kind of put it back together, but it's not too arduous. And then Unlock is by far the easiest to replay or pass to somebody else because you just shuffle up the 60 cards and bam, you're ready to go. There's nothing more complicated than that. 
And if you want to, they are numbered on the back. It says one of 60, two of 60, three of 60. So you could even literally put them back in the exact same order. I don't think there is a need to because they are not in any specific order that you're going to pull them out. I wouldn't leave them in the order that you discarded them because all the things that go together will be in the same area. But if you just shuffle them a couple of times, I think you're fine to just shuffle it and hand it back out. But if you really want to, the cards are numbered on the back so you can easily put it back together in order. So the next thing I wanted to talk about for the three is like a, a hint system. So a good thing for exit is that, since we kind of start with two bads for that, a positive for exit is that it does have that uh, step-by-step hint system I had talked about. So for each, like, it's, it's basically keyed by the puzzles you're trying to solve. And for each one, it'll give you a first hint, a second hint, and then basically just explain how to do it. So that's the only one of the three that really, like, gives that full... Um, like walk through backup experience to make sure you can eventually get through the puzzles no matter what. Um, Unlock has a single hint so used by the app. And sorry, it's been a little while since I played it, but I'm pretty sure Escape the Room Mystery at Stargazer's Manor had nothing unless you went to a website to look for hints. So I think there might still be hints on the ThinkFun website or something like that, but definitely not in the game. Like just while you're playing, I don't remember there being any hint system whatsoever. So that was a, a little flaw there. Yeah, Um, and if you have to go away from the game, you've totally broken any thematic immersion, any puzzle solving that you were into at that moment. Your brain just goes somewhere else, and that's unfortunate. I will say Unlock does have a couple of two-step hints, at least in the Squeak and Sausage one. I thought another one had two-step clues as well, but most of them are one-step clues. Although, to be fair, I guess you can get a clue for the blue object and a clue for the red environmental thing. So you kind of have two chances to put it together logically Yep. there. So, yeah, I mean, it's it, it still works. We, we got through all the puzzles, but, but I mean, just, just worrying about some groups. How did you feel about the actual difficulty and kind of, like, nature of the puzzles in Unlock uh, compared to Exit? Well, that's the, uh, you know, tagging onto what you were saying. That was going to be my next point is... I believe Exit has the best puzzles. I don't see any thematic connection to what you're doing, but the puzzles themselves are more varied than the ones in the Unlock series. Even though I think Unlock's done a good job, and I'm curious to see what they do in the future, I am worried that there are going to be a lot of puzzles where you're doing similar things in Unlock just because of the restriction of 60 cards and the app as the only, you know, tools that they have at their disposal. Yeah, and I will say, so, so just to kind of explain more what Peter said, um, in Exit, because you're, like, tearing up cards and stuff, you actually have, like, spatial puzzles where you're, like, putting shapes together or, like, tracing lines on things or drawing on things and stuff like that, which does just give more variety to the puzzles than Unlock. Although, again, Unlock does very well considering the limitations it has in the system. Um, Escape the Room, Mystery of Stargazer's Manor, I think goes even further than Exit, because you have, um, it's a much bigger box, and you like actually open up an entire envelope that has like all these fun little things, like little like doodads, things you look through to look at other things, like pieces you put together. So I think in terms of like the actual nature of the puzzles, Escape the Room has the coolest ones, like tactily, and and in terms of like the little props you use. Yeah, that sounds neat. And then Exit, yeah, and then Unlock is definitely the lowest, but difficulty. The big knock I have, and you haven't played this one, so I'll just mention it. The big knock I have against Escape the Room, my wife and I played this. 
So I think they said that, like, th- there's no timer app or anything that, like, makes you suddenly lose the game. But I think they said you had, like, an hour and a half to play it. Yeah, it says 90 minutes on the side of the box. Yeah, and for some random reason, they, like, had a different time, depending on how many people are playing, which seems absurd to me, because I don't know why <laughs> having more chaotic, crazy people shouting at each other would somehow make you solve the puzzle faster. But the thing with Stargazer Manor is we destroyed that game. I think we beat the whole thing. We were timing ourselves, and I think we beat the whole thing in about 30 minutes. And except for the very last puzzle, which was a pretty like thoughtful puzzle and probably took us 10 minutes all by itself, except for that very last puzzle, nothing really challenged us. Like It might take us like a minute to kind of put together which piece goes with which, but it was, it was too straightforward compared to Exit and Unlock, both of which challenged us we had to use hints in both of them like we did not get through any scenarios in either of those games without you know just clean like we never just completely solved them on our own without any help whatsoever escape the room mystery at stargazer's manor has no hint system in the game but you don't need it because it's it's really easy (laughs) it's too easy right and you know like the fact that i'm paying that much money it's not a lot i think it's also 15 or 20 dollars but the fact that i'm paying that much money and if I'm smart enough, getting like a 20 to 30 minute experience out of the game, I think that's where like the value really breaks down. Even if I pass it to another group, you know, I'm, I'm expecting a fun experience from this. They're advertising 90 minutes and they're, they're kind of lying to you if that's what they think this game is going to take. I don't see what group would ever take 90 minutes. And if they did take 90 minutes, that means they're just staring at puzzles for like 30 minutes at a time doing nothing. And there's no way that's fun. Yeah, that's that would just be frustrating. So what I will say, though, is it sounds like with the little doodads and with the simpler puzzles, it might be good to play with younger gamers. Oh, heck yes. No, I think it'd be awesome. Now, I will say they're they're not so simple that I think, like, Nicholas, your kid, or Harrison, my four-year-old, could do them. But I, I do think, like, a young teenager would do awesome at Escape the Room, whereas maybe they might get a little bit more frustrated with uh, Unlock or uh, Exit. Yeah, so... If you were to buy one of these games, which one would you buy? You know, you're going to buy in. It's a lifestyle for you. You only can pick one. Which one would you do? Like if they keep on having a series of them? Yeah. Well, I I feel it's a little unfair because I've played two of Unlock and only one of each of the other series. Um, I don't think there is a second Escape the Room yet, but I imagine. I mean, Think Fun publishes a lot of games. I imagine they're coming out with another one. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely Unlock for me. No question. Exit actually has the toughest puzzles, I think, but I just don't like that I have to tear it up and that I can't pass it along to you or pass it along to my friends at school who are into these kind of games. So that aspect of it definitely makes it a negative. And again, I wasn't impressed by their writing, at least in the first one. It didn't really grab me like uh, the writing in Escape the Room did or the Immersion in Unlock did. So I felt like it was the weakest thematic experience. Um, so those two things, the worst value and the least theme, just knock it out there. And then, you know, Escape the Room is too darn easy, so Unlock is all the way for me. Like, literally, I, I think they, they're come, they're already, they've already announced, like, two or three more. I want to play every one of those until they, you know, start making bad ones and we lose interest. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with you, although I'm going to play Devil's Advocate here a little bit, just because I did like the Exit games as well. I do look forward to seeing what the other two exit games have in store. I just know what I'm getting into going forward, but I thought the puzzles were cool enough that I really want to experience what puzzles there are. So I think if you don't care about theme, I think exit might be a better game if you just want hard puzzles. 
Well, and I agree with you. The thing is, if, if we're talking about which one I would buy and go all in on, I'm not buying Exit. If Jerry's buying Exit and just wants to bring him over and play him with us, I'm in, man. I'm, I'm in for any puzzle game. But I, I would not spend my own money on that game just because of the value perception I have with it. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up, unless you have anything else. No, that's it. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us on Co-op Cast. Bye-bye.